Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The province of Alberta is in conflict with the federal liberal government of Mr. Trudeau. And uh, Premier Daniel Smith and her UCP government passed the Alberta Sovereignty within a United Canada Act on December the 8th, 2022. The Premier has since that time challenged Ottawa on its overreach into provincial constitutionally enshrined jurisdiction over energy development with the Supreme Court of Canada by strong majority supporting Alberta's position. The No More Pipelines bill said no more of Mr. Gilbo. Well, he said it was a suggestion, didn't he? Or something like that from the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court does not provide advice or suggestions or Sleepy guidance, they make decisions. Let's talk to the Premier of Alberta. On, uh, as we, as we end 2023, what an eventful year. Premier, how are you doing? Fantastic. Nice to talk to you, Roy. Good to talk to you. Can, can we, uh, I'd like to start with a subject that I didn't mention in my introduction, and that is the concerns about youth radicalization in this country. Yesterday, in uh, the Ottawa area, a 15-year-old arrested by the RCMP. And on Wednesday, a 16-year-old was arrested in Calgary. What's your sense? What's your concern? Well, I think what we have is a real polarization. We're trying to to make sure that people understand that when they come to our country, that uh, we have to put aside historical hatred. We've got to make sure every community member feels loved and valued and safe and protected. And I'm gravely concerned that uh, over the past number of uh, months since the Hamas terrorist attack in Israel that we've seen greater polarization. And I, I, I hope that we don't see more of these kinds of incidents because as, uh, as people start normalizing this uh, kind of disruption and uh, these kinds of uh, these kinds of actions, you, you tend to see more copycats and I think we need to, to make sure that people have an opportunity to express themselves freely, but there can be no tolerance for anti-Semitism, no, no tolerance as well for, uh, for Islamophobia that can sometimes be the, the consequence of, of that as well. And I, I, just, I just hope that, that the temperature is brought down in Canada because we, we want to be a welcoming society. Yeah, we certainly cannot uh, permit the uh, arguments of uh, genocide to be, to be promoted publicly and uh, in our institutions of, of learning in this country. So there's a, a long way to go here, and things have to be, uh, have to be this, has, this has to be addressed. 16-year-old in Calgary, your city, and a 15-year-old yeah. in Canada, in, in Ottawa. So a lot to be addressed. Um, so let, let's start, first of all, then. Let's go to the issue of uh, what went on at COP28 and how it affected the relationship between Alberta and the federal government. Uh, what's your takeaway impression from COP28? Was it worth it? I can tell you 
I, uh, I sure wish that the provinces had had a greater presence there uh, over the, the last number of years. Scott Moe and I were both there, and we were, I think we were able to, to demonstrate why it is oil-producing regions need, need to be part of the discussion. They, they were on a, on a pathway to have a, a very radical statement about uh, completely phasing out fossil fuels. They ended up with something a little more modest that talks about carbon capture utilization and storage, that talks about natural gas being a transition fuel. Um, and I, I think that that's where we, we need to, to be. We need to be encouraging the development of countries that don't have electricity or energy use at all. So we're going to have to, to make sure that, that that is addressed at the same time as we reduce emissions. So I'm a bit disappointed that there doesn't seem to be this recognition that we can continue to use these, these uh, very powerful, very reliable fuels, but we're all trying to reduce emissions. I, I think that people like Stephen Guibault has made it very clear that he's trying to kill this industry. He's trying to put production caps in place, and uh, his radical agenda has come through pretty loud and clear in the, in the actions that he took there and the statements that he's made since he, come, since he came back home. But, I mean, we're not going to put up with that. It's not how our Constitution works. The federal government can't come in and unilaterally shut an industry down. And I, I hope that we can get the rest of the country on board with this, because I have to tell you, Ontario's next. Um, they, they're, they're testing the waters to see if they can easily get away with shutting down oil and gas production. But on Tuesday, they're going to announce that they're shutting down the uh, traditional manufacturer of automobiles in our country um, on the hopes that everybody by 2035 is going to want to drive an electric car. And I I'm waiting for the outcry from Ontarians. I'm waiting for the outcry from the unions there. I've already heard the Manufacturers Association say it's completely implausible. It can't be achieved. But these are the kind of things that they will do. If they can get away with doing this to us, to Saskatchewan, they're going to continue um, uh, targeting specific industries. And everybody's going to be hit by this. We, we all have to, to be standing up and asking for a voice of reason to prevail. Yeah, Premier, and this is nothing new with the Trudeau government. I played a clip for Premier Mo, but I'm, I'm going to play for you right now. This was said in 2016. We can't shut down the oil sands tomorrow. Uh, we need to phase them out. We need to manage the transition off of our dependence on fossil fuels. Uh, that is going to take time. And in the meantime, we have to manage that transition. So phase out, manage the transition. Have you heard those before? Yeah, and he's been trying to, I think, uh, couch his words a little bit uh, more carefully in recent years. But the agenda is pretty clear. The, uh, the fact that when we went to COP, we uh, didn't have any advance notice of what it is they were going to be announcing there. They were asking us to sign non-disclosure agreements to get a sneak peek at how they were going to be invading our jurisdiction. They announced massive methane reductions, massive uh, new emissions cap, specifically on oil and gas, targeting our industry. Um, and so, but that, that I guess, is, is a demonstration that they haven't heard what the court has said. The court has said cooperative federalism means you have to cooperate. You can't just announce edicts in another order, another order of government's area of jurisdiction. And so that's what I, I think I'm most, most alarmed by, is that we, I recognize that the courts are a referee. We win some, we lose some. But we keep winning, and the federal government keeps on ignoring it. What do we do when we have a lawless federal government that doesn't follow the Constitution, that doesn't listen to the court, and that continues to make these kinds of pronouncements? I mean, this is a, we're getting into some pretty dangerous zones here, and I think it's going to, to create a constitutional crisis, may create a national unity crisis, but, but they've got to stand down because none of this makes sense. 
and it's hurting people. That's the bottom line for this, is it's driving up the cost of everything. When you look at, at food production, I listened to your comment from Scott Moe earlier, 80% of our food production relies on fossil fuels, whether it's the machinery that goes out on the field or whether it's the propane you need to, to dry the grains or whether it's transporting it to market. Um, so when they attack our energy security, they're tra- attacking our food security at the same time. And that is uh, just driving up the cost of, of everything that, uh, that average families are, are struggling with right now. And they, they have to cool it. They have to, to take a break, realize that we can achieve these targets with a longer time frame to 2050. And they've got to put the affordability piece at the front and center because people are hurting right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 6.8 million Canadians are living in uh, food insecure environments, and that includes 1.8 million kids. And they don't seem to pay attention to that. They, they don't have time for that. 40% of Canadians told pollsters they lose sleep at night because they're concerned about their own personal economies because they've struggled so much in 2023. And yet Mr. Gibo and uh, Mr. Trudeau assure us that all the great jobs are coming and it's, uh, this is what we have to, have to do. Um, interesting point made by a listener who sent me an email, Premier. And that was, you know, let's talk about the carbon tax. Sure. But let's also talk about the size of the bureaucracy that must be in place in order to administer the carbon tax. I never thought of that until I got the email. It's massive. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I, um, energy isn't even the principal responsibility of the federal government. The resources are the principal responsibility of provinces. And I was told that their bureaucracy for energy is three times the size of Alberta's. So you can only imagine that uh, what kind of bureaucracy they're building up in environments and to, to, to be able to support these programs. Mm-hmm. It's enormous. I mean, if, I, guess, I guess the thing I, I wish we could focus more on, and this is what we do in our province, is that we focus on having a light touch and encouraging industry and innovation to solve this problem. And that's part of the reason why we developed a program where companies have industrial pricing on their emissions, they pay into a fund, that fund goes to support innovators. We funded 260 different projects, and we've been able to see some successes from geothermal to direct air capture, lithium development, and that has a very light touch from a bureaucratic point of view. You start stepping in and, and trying to dictate and do command and control and force um, an outcome that isn't achievable. All you end up doing is growing the bureaucracy, costing people money, and you don't achieve the outcome. Even while you're paying the income tax, you're paying for the salaries of the people who are administering it, and those salaries are not bad. So you, uh, you, you, you uh, said that the federal environment minister was guilty of treachery. Yep. Explain to us. I would call. I, I, I think that's the right word for it. I mean, we, we were we were quite trusting from the from the moment I got elected. I, I told the federal government I wanted to work with them on a 2050 target for carbon neutrality. We've worked really well together on a couple of projects. Uh, Air Products is a net zero hydrogen facility that's going to help decarbonize our transportation fuels. We've got Interpipeline that's been developed, which is going to export ammonia, which is a a new market for us in Japan. Dow Dow Chemical announced a major investment for a net zero petrochemical plant, so we're actually going to have net zero plastics. And then uh, next year, Heidelberg is uh, getting to the finish line on the first net zero cement plant in the world, and cement is the second most used commodity, most traded commodity. These are great successes that we've demonstrated we can work together on. We had a 45% emissions reduction that we achieved early. 
And uh, we we're, we're working with the federal government on exploring the idea of small modular reactors. We've even put a pilot project together with, with uh, Synovus to see if we can get some regulatory certainty around that, about how we might be able to roll it out. So we've come to the table in the spirit of cooperation. We put together a joint panel to discuss how we might work together. And then Stephen Gibbon flies halfway across the world and dumps a bunch of policies out of the blue on our head without consultation and tells us, eh, whatever, those tables aren't decision-making tables. They're just information sharing. Like, that's treachery. That really is. That's deception. There's no other way to describe it. And it's unacceptable. It's an unacceptable way to treat an important partner in confederation. That's why I keep saying we really have had enough of it. I, I can work well with some of, the, some of the ministers at the federal level, but I certainly can't work with him. I, I've, I've been asking for him to be removed. I think he's causing great, great damage to this country and great, great damage to uh, the credibility of the, of the federal it's government. It's not likely that Justin Trudeau is going to remove him because Trudeau personally ne- uh, recruited him. He's, uh, you know what, then I guess they continue to watch their, their poll numbers go down. No, they don't and want I to don't do that. Believe, I don't, <laughs> but they have, look, look at, I mean, they don't even really have a mandate. They got yeah, 32%. No, they don't. They don't have a mandate. They You're ex- absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. percent of the vote. Yep. They are now down to somewhere between 20 and 21% support, which is an indication that Albertans and Canadians do not support the direction that they're taking. If an election were held today, they'd probably lose resoundingly. People are talking about them even taking on third-party status, mm-hmm. and yet they're acting as, as if they have dictatorial powers to make okay. decisions not only in their areas of jurisdiction, but in our areas of so jurisdiction. Can we just, so can we just have a look down the, the road a little bit into 2024? What do you foresee as far as this relationship is concerned? Because I gather from what you've told us that the well is now totally poisoned as far as Guibault is concerned. Um, what do you see taking place potentially in 2024? How nasty could this get? I, I'll tell you my approach. My approach will be I will work with them in areas where I think we do have some, some common common ground. I, I think that building out our hydrogen economy, uh, the infrastructure Yeah, but, but what, I'm, what I'm curious about is how nasty do you see this potentially getting? What are you prepared for? Well, I, I'll, I'll defend my jurisdiction. There's no question. Like I'm, I've already said, we're, we're just not going to follow laws that are illegally enacted, unconstitutional, and violate our ability to manage our affairs and take care of our people. I'm not shutting in the oil and natural gas industry. I'm not going to achieve net zero emissions by 2035 in our power grid. We're, we're going to go to 2050. We will build new natural gas-based load power. Um, we will make sure that our food producers are protected. We will make sure that people have cars to buy in 2026. I mean, I have a responsibility to make sure that uh, that Albertans have access to the things that they need. And if the federal government is trying to put up barriers to stand in the way, we're going to work around them. We'll find whatever way we can to work around them. I, I just, you know, this is just a personal comment for me, a year-ending comment. I'm just glad that we have Premier Smith and Premier Moe in this country. Somebody's got to push back against this one uh, one agenda, one issue agenda that the Trudeau government has. Um, yeah, so I've, do you want to fill something in here for 30 seconds that I haven't asked you about? <laughs> well, I think you know how it goes in this business. You remember? I know. 30 seconds. Well, the problem is you ask go for it. Former talk show host, <laughs> go talk for 30 it. 30 seconds, you might get more than you bargained. For. Go for it. Look, I, 
I just I'm encouraging um, everybody uh, to, to put pressure on their premiers. I think that we have an historic opportunity now for the premiers to be the counterbalance to an out of control federal government. I think there are some people we can work with in the federal government. There are some voices in reason uh, of reason, but Gibo is not one of them. And people need to be asking their MP, why are you letting him? destroy the country? Why are you letting him destroy the party? Why are you letting him hurt people? Because that's what's happening. He's, he's acting in a way that is not in keeping with the best interests of Canadians. And uh, I, I think it's time for all of us to put pressure on, on MPs as well as our premiers to stand up and start talking about it. That's a good 30 seconds. And you hit it right on the button. <laughs> you remember how this works. <laughs> you bet. We'll do it again. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.